So as always, thank you for joining me. Enjoy the podcast. Kick back and relax. The force is strong and is with us always. And never forget. We have hope. Rebellions are built on hope. of this moment the force is strong make ten men feel like a hundred I'll take the next chance and the next you're rebels aren't you You call it the Jesse James. Jesse, a.k.a. The Bizzle. Yo, The Bizzle, thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle? Thank you, The Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. Matt, you know, uh, I, I like to look uh, back at my podcasts and, and see which ones perform well over a long mm-hmm. period of time. And one of the ones that hasn't left the top 10 uh, in like w- like the 12-month top 10 or whatever since it came out was our tabletop episode where we talked that about... That puts me in a good mood. Yeah. So we're talking about Will Wheaton's tabletop. Uh, mm-hmm. God bless Will Wheaton, by the way, spokesman of mental health. He's he's such a great guy, and oh god, I I I hope I hope his 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 book <laughs> comes through. Him and Felicia Day, which we're going to get to in a second, are you know nerd gods. But he, he, we loved his tabletop show, which, as you know, Matt, I think you know, I didn't find out till later that it was this geek and sundry thing, and mm-hmm. that Felicia was also behind it. Uh, since then, uh, Geek and Sundry, like the Nerdist, were bought by a giant Chinese conglomerate. Talk about monopolies. Um, right. Legendary. Legendary. Uh, Chris Hardwick was obviously thrown face first in front of a truck driving a thousand miles an hour. <laughs> um, I don't know if he deserved it. I'm not going to comment on that. Uh, but uh, uh, this is not good for anybody. Um, whereas Felicia Day, as an amazing single mom, does seem uh, uh, Matt to have some influence at Geek and Sundry, which is one of the sort of independent producers. And I think the fact that you and I, to varying levels, varying degrees in, in different properties, have gotten into the stuff on YouTube and, and alternative media has to also inform our getting tired of the same old thing on the big screen, right? Because we have all these alternative forms of of nerd uh, creativity going on, I guess. A- absolutely. And this specific thing I'm going to talk about of critical role, that to me is exactly what uh, something of something owned by a small number of people. It is critical role is creative is owned by its con- its creators. It is broadcast through well, technically it's owned by one of China's top 10 companies, but no, yeah. it's not. It is broadcast by legendary legendary doesn't mm-hmm. own the rights to it at all. And Critical Role has actually kind of started to differentiate itself from the rest of Geek and Sundry. Geek and Sundry puts it out, but that is the only cre- control they have. It they I'm sorry, it's the only control Geek and Sundry and by extension Legendary has. Everything else, it's just Mercer and his friends. That's another thing that I like about it. Is it is That's not great. That's great. something some big company doing this. This is actually yeah. just people making something that they like. And you know, I don't know if Felicia was at all behind that thing happening, but that's the kind of thing she would be behind, having one of her babies remain independent somewhat, right? Yeah, it's a thing I'm sure she supported. Felicia Day gets credit for suggesting initially that this was something people might want to watch, but since that time, 
I know you want to support women who like kick ass and do a good job. Oh no, she's not running stuff. No, uh, no. No, one uh, you no. should be supporting yeah. is Marisha Ray, who left as creative executive at Geek and Sundry to become the creative executive at Critical Role. She's a genius. And she is the reason the show is what it is, that it has You're become right, this Matt. phenomenon. She's You're the right. one, along with Matt Mercer, for being the genius DM that he is. She is the one who's made the show what it is. Yeah, I remember the first time she was on Tabletop. I was like, wow, this chick is fast-thinking and super yeah. smart. Um, and th- she is a great contrast to to Lara Bailey. So, okay, guys, so Critical Role, Matt's watched a lot of these long episodes. I've only watched one or two, like, end-to-end, but I have it on my – like, I have a – a Twitch app, man, on my TV, and I don't use it for anything other than putting Critical Role on the background while I'm doing stuff. Was it Thursday nights? Yeah, Thursday nights. Yeah. Um, and uh, at first I was like, oh, there's a lot of guys and, and two girls, but man, those two f- personalities, Marisha Ray and Laura Bailey, and I had heard about Marisha Ray's involvement in the creative stuff, man, but not that to that extent. That makes me really happy because she is awesome. Yeah, she is. So... The specific moment that I want to talk about is from an episode called The Stalking Nightmare. I have to talk. Uh, not- Wait, I need you to set up. I need for the listeners. I, 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 they didn't listen to our previous shows. I, can you just set up Critical Role? A, oh, what a, it is? Little, yeah, uh, a little bit more. Famous. Uh, the the catch line is a bunch of nerdy-ass voice actors sit around and play Dungeons & Dragons. But it is yeah. run by Matt Mercer, who... Uh, the most mainstream thing he did is he's the voice of McCree in Overwatch, the 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 shooter, the the online shooting game yep. that has blown up quite a bit. Not as he, big as Fortnite, but he's the lead fantasy voice on every major video game, yeah, including Lord tons, of the Rings, Dragon Age. These people have tons of video game and anime credits. Yep. That's just the one that people who don't know who he is already might know who he is. Yep. You have a lot of other characters, Laura Bailey, who has been in 500 tons credits. of Lord of the Rings stuff, tons of anime stuff, Travis Willingham, the She's same thing. Yeah. Uh, Liam O'Brien, who was the voice director of Resident Evil 6 mm-hmm. and the voice of at least one major Warcraft character, I think named Illidan. I, I mm-hmm. don't know the mythology very well but that's yep. him yep ashley johnson who is a live action actor as well as a voice actor Talison ellie Jeffy. from last of us for those of you out there who played that yeah. i just got simmy i gave simmy my ps3 recently and uh, all my games and it was like yeah they're all good but dude the last of us is fucking amazing i was like i know right i don't i don't like, like horror matt i've told you this that i get my horror with my video games because i find film horror so, so much so yeah ashley johnson they're wrapping on last of us too go ahead yeah, and then uh, the last couple are Sam Regal, who I don't know how much voice work he does. I know he does some. Uh, he's also it's like he's the been dude. an actor since yeah. a little kid. I mean, he was in Les Mis on Broadway as Gavroche, which is the little kid uh, who gets shot midway through. Oh, I love Gavroche. Uh, uh, and then you have Talison Jaffe, who's the last one, also an anime and video game voice guy. Uh, his grandfather wrote the screenplay version of Breakfast at Tiffany's and The Seven-Year Itch. So he's like old-world Hollywood, and he kind of acts that way. Hmm. Um, and they play Dungeons & Dragons. So the episode I want to talk about mm-hmm. came out in August 3rd. So back on – right around June 28th, with uh, they had an episode called Divergent Paths. And in it, Laura Bailey and Travis Willingham are married, and I think that day or maybe late the previous night, Laura Bailey gave birth to their son, Ronan. 
So obviously she wasn't there to record. Ronan, Bailey, yeah, or Willingham. That's awesome. Yeah, sorry. Obviously Travis wasn't there to record, and obviously they were going to be out of the picture for a little while doing, you know, newborn baby parent stuff. So Matt Mercer had to scramble to come up with a new narrative that would Hmm. explain why their characters, Travis plays a half-orc warlock named Ford, and uh, Mm -hmm. Laura Bailey plays a tiefling uh, cleric named Jester, Mm -hmm. why they're suddenly not there like week after week after week. So if I may, if I may, yeah. Whether you guys have a lot of experience out there with D&D or not, probably know that the GM or DM, uh, Dungeon Master or Game Master, is the one telling the story and you're playing against, but is also leading you. Challenge you just put out there, man. If you are a great GM and you love doing it, you live for that shit, right? I would think Matt Mercer would have loved that challenge. I think he liked it, but I think oh, he had stressful. Yeah, it. I think he had about twelve hours. Oh to, God, that's to change it. I mean, that's Liam rough. O'Brien was going to be to miss the episode. He was camping with his kids, but they would have been so down on numbers that basically he uh, he skyped in from the woods mm-hmm. uh, to record the episode. Uh, so anyway, to get around this, mm-hmm. uh, Matt Mercer came up with this group called the Iron Shepherds, who are slavers who kidnap uh, Laura Bailey, Travis Willingham, and Ashley Johnson's characters because she was leaving the show for a little while for, I'm not sure what, maybe an acting gig, some kind of like live-action recording thing. And so they get taken by the Iron Shepherds and the, le- the guy who runs them, a guy named Lorenzo. And then the next week, the remainder of the party, along with Ashley Birch as playing a dwarf fighter named Which Ken, we're getting back to that. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, yeah so I'm glad yeah. you brought up Ashley Birch. Yeah. They try to take on the Iron Shepherds and get their friends back. And spoiler here, if you're going to watch the show, stop listening right now because this is huge. All right, spoiler they, warning starting yeah. now. Go ahead. They're able to kill one of the Iron Shepherds, but in the process, Taliesin Jaffe's character, Molly Mock a blood hunter, which is a custom class guy, gets killed. And he's the first character to ever die, like, permanently and not resurrect five minutes later Hmm. on Critical Role in the show's history. It's been on the air for about four years now, and that had never happened before. So you had this super vicious bad guy who had killed a main character and was about to mentally and physically torture three other main characters and the next few episodes were all about tracking him down to his lair and finally getting, you know, getting revenge on him. Birch was along for the whole way. She was really good. I had questions about her at first, but I once I got more about how the show worked, I really had no problems and really loved her character. You had another voice actor named Somali Montano play a, another character for a few episodes, a Firbolg, which is kind of like a minotaur, a druid um, named Nila. She was really interesting. She wasn't like goofy and funny. She was just very warm and kind and brought a really Hmm. different energy. And then it all coalesced in a live show at Gen Con on August the 3rd called The Stalking Nightmare. Gen Con being? One of the largest uh, nerd conventions in the world a little more geared towards gaming a little less geared towards broad pop culture the way san diego comic-con is um but i mean it 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 goes back it's a like a 40 or 50 year old convention at this point Mm -hmm. Um, but they rarely do live shows they only have done one or two 
But this one begins with everybody coming onto the stage in costume, including Sam Regal wearing a pink latex dragon costume with a giant white LED stuffed in his crotch on roller skates. Of course. Why not? <laughs> like you do. Um, yeah. <laughs> it has Travis and Laura appearing via video, which is the first time they had been on screen since they left the show. And Travis saying, I want you to kick some fucking ass because his character has a Texan <laughs> accent. Of course. And then just an amazing – it's all combat, but it's just great, great combat. And at the end, because of a mistake Mercer makes and admitted on the spot, they are able to kill Lorenzo at this live show. And the entire audience stands up cheering. They get a massive standing ovation. It was as satisfying a vengeance death as uh, Ramsey Bolton getting eaten by dogs on <laughs> the road. Even I know that, yeah. Uh-huh. As good as any bad guy getting it moment, I can end remember. Of, end of Wind River, very end of Wind River. Yeah, end of Wind River, watching the guy just choke to death on his own blood, yeah. running barefoot through the snow. Like yeah. She made it six miles. Let's see how far you can make it. Yeah. Yeah. 30 feet, just dead. Oh, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, go ahead. Guy you hate dying moment. This was as cool and as meaningful for for me as any of those. And that was the moment that kind of crystallized in my mind how much I cared about these characters and how much I really mm. loved this show. And to see the crowd get into it the way that they did, where they were awing and cheering with each hit uh, and and booing, like they were so into it. Mm-hmm. That's what made me really crystallize for me that this is actually so, uh, a community, the critter community, as it's called. And when it was over, Matt Mercer got up to thank them, and you could see the tears in his eyes. Like, this was a really emotional, meaningful moment in this silly show about people pretending to be wizards and orcs. And it was just fantastic. And it was my favorite nerd moment of this entire year. Hmm. Um. Can I run a, a few nerdy things about the show? Because I haven't watched enough to know all this. Which is, I was going to ask you if which D&D edition they use, but then it occurred to me that maybe they're off the reservation completely. No, they use 5e. I think maybe there's like one or two home rules, uh, but it's basically all 5e. Mm-hmm. Um, says they did used to play some Pathfinder, though, which is bizarre. They did. They did. Okay. They were, um, adapting the show to put it on air... They decided to switch to 5e because Pathfinder, I guess, is a little bit more stat-based and it's a little clunkier, and they just thought it would be easier to streamline everything if they went with 5e. And then they got sponsored by uh, a company called D&D Beyond, which if you do want to create a character, it's a really intuitive character creation website. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've used it a couple of times, and I really like it, and I don't know a lot about that stuff, and I found it very easy to, to figure out. Um, and I think once that happened, they, they went, they, it was definitely going to be 5e from there. Um, who are some of your favorite, cause I, I have to ask you about Ashley Birch cause you told me about it and people were like, like the people from the show were tweeting the most bizarre things while she was on and she was tweeting the most bizarre things. So I want to ask you about it, but of the main cast, obviously Matt Mercer's ridiculous, um, right. ridiculously talented and good as the, as the GM, uh, who, who are some, who are some of your, uh, your, your faves? Uh, my favorite characters are Liam's character, Caleb, who is this really damaged, uh, broken kind of wizard 
And his friend is Sam Regal. The two of them are best friends in real life, and that's really cute to watch, um, who plays a goblin rogue named Knot. Hmm. And so Sam Regal's first season character was this bard who was intentionally very in-your-face, and he was supposed to be funny. For Sam Regal to bring that same level of comedy to this other character who is a lot sadder and different is really, really impressive. Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting. Um, so, uh, do you... Uh, so, you know, the, 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 the members of the show, various levels, as you pointed out, of what they're doing and how much of it they're doing and so forth. Right. Um, and, uh, uh, I, I mean, just from being a little bit of a video gamer, the two voices that you hear all the time are Laura Bailey and Matt Mercer. I mean, they do so many lead voices on all the big Japanese games, the Final Fantasy games, the Lord of the Rings games, uh, Dragon Age, Uncharted, all of it. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, so Matt's actually easier to recognize. Laura Bailey can do some pretty different voices, mm-hmm. uh, but I think that's because they're asking Matt Mercer to be doing the sort of sexy, dark fantasy guy, you know, like they want the Matt Mercer voice, I think. So, you know, right. that's, that's what they want or whatever, but there, you know, there's a ton of connection. You know, we were talking about Felicia's involvement or lack thereof. I mean, just the fact that she... At least for a while, she would always broadcast it on her channel too, uh, which is mm-hmm. ha- does have a lot of people. We should point out, Matt, that the average daily watchers just on Twitch for this is in the tens of thousands at least, and you know, uh, th- like no one gets those hits. Like even the top, o- only the top gamers, like Ninja, people you've heard of, get yep. mo- get more hits than that. And because it's five hours long, um, it's unbelievable. I have to ask where the funding comes from for that show do you have any idea um i don't know where the funding comes i mean they have sponsors dnd beyond is their big one tor books has given them some money the rook and the raven has given them some money i don't get the sense the show is super expensive to produce it's just one set with like two cameras and they obviously they have a crew so they've got to be generating enough revenue to to pay their crew uh, but I don't think it's a super expensive show to make. So maybe Geek and Sundry funds it and pays for it through subscriptions. I really – I don't have an answer to that. I well, there's – right. There's Alpha. There's – you can also – There's Project Alpha, yeah, which I may subscribe to at some point because they got some stuff coming out on that that yeah. look kind of interesting. I want to check out Deborah Ann Wall's show. Um, whatever this Sagas of Sundry thing is, looks like that might be kind of cool. Um, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, yeah, the filming isn't expensive. The amount of computer power they need is, is intense. I'm not exactly sure how that works. Um, but, uh, the, the fact that they go five hours, I mean, what's comparable in any media out there to this? I mean, yeah, you say it doesn't cost much. They probably want to pay themselves something for all that time and energy to be on for five hours is just insane. Um, can you talk about just the experience of watching something so epically long um, uh, uh, and sort of like what's the flow during it f- f- for our watchers? Like, like is there a moment where people are really into it and then people sort of relax a little bit? Like, how, you know what I mean? Because that is a lot of time. No, I mean, they jump into it pretty quickly. You mm-hmm. know, every episode starts with 
Sam Regal doing a bit like a bunch of funny jokes related to D and D Beyond. Uh, there's I, they're very hard to explain. I suggest checking them out. Most of them are pretty funny. Um, there's one where he just reads the copy, but he has fart noises playing in the background. Oh, that's funny. It's really funny to just watch everybody else lose it watching him do this. Um, there's one. Some, they've introduced some animated stuff. They did. A, he wrote a song for D and D Beyond, and somebody animated that, and so he introduced that one episode, and everybody flipped out over it. Hmm. Um, they've recently those same people. They hired them to do an animated intro for Critical Role itself, uh, so they introduced that. He did a stop motion movie where a couple of toy mice squeak across the ground and then he pulls an Emmy that he won and has it spinning in the middle, which is pretty funny. Um, So there's that. There's the song. Matt Mercer gives a one minute recap of what's happened recently and Mm -hmm. then they're in it. I mean, they're in their characters right away. Mm -hmm. I think they probably talk a little bit about where they want to go in the first couple of minutes, maybe before the show starts. Sure. Um, like I know that for instance, so the episode after Lorenzo kills, uh, Taliesin's character, the next episode begins with at- Marisha Ray's character, Bo, uh, a monk, uh, which is like D and D ninja attacking Ashley Birch's character. Mm-hmm. And Marisha Ray said, she asked Ashley, like, is it okay if I do this to start this next episode? It's obviously role play. I'm not actually going to be mad at you. And Ashley was like, oh yeah, I totally get it. Bring Wait, it which on. Ashley are we talking about? Birch. Oh, Birch. Okay. Because people blamed Birch's well, character this one I ask you about. Birch what happened? for Talison's death. So, okay. They attack. Ashley, uh, Keg, Ashley Birch's character, tells them everything she knows about who these guys are, what they can do, what their classes and races are. Uh, it turns out a lot of that info is wrong. And so the, the team is woefully underprepared for uh, what's to come in this battle. And then when Keg takes her first turn, Ashley decides that for role play reasons, Keg would be freaked out trying to fight these people that she hates and wants to kill. And so she gives herself disadvantage for the next round. Hmm. So she basically takes herself out of the fight before she can get into it. And I think those two things combined to with the, just the sexism on Twitter combined to make people really mad at her and blame her after that happened. The reality is probably Matt Mercer gave her false info. And honestly, with everything I learned about her character's backstory, it, it makes role play sense why this would happen. And again, these aren't real people, so nobody actually died. Yeah, it's interesting that they would put that on on Ashley Birch because uh, when I heard something weird went down, you know, I know that she's she's also God bless her been an advocate, outspoken about you know social anxiety and things that she suffers from, and you right. know, being a young actress and, uh, and and so forth. And she knows those people pretty well on Geek and Sundry, and it's a pretty low key set. But part of me was like, oh, maybe she's going to try and do something crazy to overcompensate and like fit in 
you know, like with good intentions, but it sounds like that's not exact. It sounds much more complicated. It's not really her fault. Uh, not that it matters her, anywhere. I mean, yeah. what's fault? I mean, she, right, she yeah, give herself yeah, yeah. disadvantage. Wasn't her responsibility? I think that's happened before on CR. I think it happened in Campaign One, which I've never watched. Mm-hmm. And even if it doesn't, I actually can understand why this would happen of wanting to overcompensate and then cracking a little bit when faced with it. Because her whole character's backstory is she used to work for them, but she had a friend that they enslaved and like tortured in front of her. So. All of that makes sense, mm-hmm. and certainly after that, she stays with them, and that never happens again. You know, she very much makes up for it in the subsequent fights. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, all right, one or two final questions about this. Um, so, you know, uh, uh, time-wise, chronology-wise, it seemed like uh, the success of them doing some RPG experiments on tabletop would lead to more intense ones with Critical Role. But interestingly, man, unless I'm getting my dates wrong, Critical Role premiered a few months before Titan's Grave did in 2015. Um, Critical Role actually came out three months earlier. Now, at the time, Titan's Grave was, you know, ridiculously watched over a million hits, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Now, Critical Role, you know, its its total hit count is, is, you know, on another level because of how devoted they have and uh, become to it and and the product that they they brought to people. So, I I don't really have a question as much as, like, the the seeming sort of baton handoff, including some of this, you know, a lot of the same faces uh, from Tabletop, which seemed like it would be more sustainable than it was to Critical World, which I, man, honestly, even two or three years ago, would never have believed such a thing could exist. <laughs> it's, it's a miracle. Uh, how, how do you see that kind of uh, handoff there, or just the fact that Critical World is, see, I mean, it's the most popular tabletop show right now, right? By far. Yeah, I, I think Adventure Zone is also pretty popular. I don't know much about that. I know people who listen to it and really like it. I think Critical Role dwarfs all the others. I'd be really interested to see if Wizards by the Coast has ever said whether or not this is all translated to actual more sales of D&D books and and whether or not it's actually having an effect. I mean, I've started playing D&D because of this show. Uh, As for Titan's Grave, in the wake of Critical Role's rise, I can't watch Titan's Grave anymore. It looks really cool, but it just feels like... Well, there's no reason to. You've yeah, got, it just feels like ideas that never really got fully realized because they only had one season, and I don't see Laura Bailey ever going back to wanting to do Titan's Grave again. No, they would never. She's, she's pretty damn busy between being a mom doing this and still doing voice work. I mean, none of them have given up their day jobs to focus on this. Uh, you know, the last episode, Laura Bailey showed up late because she was coming from work. I don't know what that mm-hmm. is, but I'm assuming that's video game recording or anime recording. Yep. Um, I, I guess for me, I totally agree with you. And yeah, Cricket Roll supplanted it. It's, it, yeah, there's be no reason to go back to Titan's Grave at this point, except maybe like a couple episodes are funny, but... Um, I guess I wouldn't, I wouldn't mind seeing them spin off some, you know, like TV length, like 10 episode, more narratively structured things as well as their normal thing. It could be with some of the same guests or some different guests or people that have been on before, you know, um, uh, 
like wait sorry say that again i, I like a more that. titan's grave-esque thing where it is a little bit more structured it's a little bit more close but it you know but moves more narratively it's it's a mixture of storytelling and role-playing as they try that was what they tried yeah. to do with titan's grave right it worked there in some was, places but not, ever I, I just i wouldn't mind seeing that experiment furthered i guess i would say Sure, and we'll see if, for instance, Relics and Reliquaries, the the Deborah Ann Wall D and D show, God bless if, her. that's going to come out in two months. Maybe that that strikes the balance that you want. Yep. I think there's a pretty good mix of role play and dice rolling in Critical Role. I've since we did our episode, I've gained a much greater appreciation for how much you can actually do with the D and D system, and having started playing it. It's really not that daunting to learn how to play. Almost everything you're going to do is rolling the d20 dice, and everything else is just effect-based. So as long as you understand that, then it's just about learning strategy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, man. Let's end, I'll end with a personal... Uh, no, not that personal, but a life qu- question, which is just, uh, have you been gaming and any interesting games we should check out? Um, and then we'll wrap this thing up. Like video games? No, like board gaming, like you know, or or just D and D. I don't think I've played anything new. I got my friends Gloom, which was a game that mm-hmm. showed up on tabletop. Gloomhaven? No. no, no, Gloom, oh, the okay. card game where you're trying to kill your characters. Okay. Yeah, it's very funny. I mean, if you can get a group that gets into it, it's mm-hmm. a it's an enjoyable party game. Um, and mm-hmm. if you like the art of Edward Gorey, if you know who that is, you already know what that art looks like. This game is heavily based on the art style of Edward Gorey. So if that's your thing, you might get a kick out of the game just for that. Hmm. Um, his art style, by the way, was what was in that um, the books that the house with the clock in its walls, that movie I mentioned earlier, is mm-hmm. based on, mm-hmm. just to, to call back to nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's the only game, uh, like board or card game, I've played recently that I haven't already talked about um, 2018 also brought out the first expansion for Civilization VI, uh, Rise and Fall. Uh, My brother and I play it together a lot. It's fantastic. I can't play Civ IV on my home computer anymore because of how good Civ VI is with this expansion. Interesting. And then then the next one, uh, Gathering Storm, which is going to introduce like canals and natural disasters and Mm -hmm. ways to tunnel through mountains. Mm -hmm. Civ VI is in a very good place right now. So I have to reserve judgment because as great as my Mac is, Civ Six is slow on it, and yeah, my my uh, protege Ethan is setting me up with his gaming rig, but we haven't had time mm-hmm. to fin- do the finishing touches. So that's, that's a p- high powered PC. So I'll be able to re-download it uh, via Steam and, and give it more fair. Um, I love Civ Five. Civ Six is a little cartoony for me, but again, if things move more quickly, maybe I'll be more into it. It's funny that you brought that up, man, because you know, like the they, the fact that there are strategy games like that that do sell a ton it it does you know it makes me happy that there are smart people out there who want complicated games um and uh i i guess a, fi- a final question for you about D&D is it sort of uh, something uh, it, it's actually something that a lot of people could get into if they wanted to right i mean yeah. cuz it combines like things like charades that people have done and board games which people have done even if they're not gamers right like um being creative but you don't have to have all the spotlight on you if you don't want to right um so yeah i don't know like what's a what's a way to get more people into it or i guess critical role's doing it yeah i 
I haven't come up with an idea that's better than that. Yeah. I, I mean, I think if you show people having a ton of fun playing it and you package it in something that's very entertaining, people will be drawn to it themselves. Hmm. You know, and the guys I play with, the, the DM is extremely good, but he's not Matt Mercer, but he doesn't mm -hmm. have to be, mm -hmm. uh, you know, because nobody is. So I think that's the way you get more people involved is you show cool people ha playing it in a way that's entertaining sure. and they'll want to do it themselves. Sure. A couple quick hits about Critical Role and we'll wrap up. Okay. All right. So you, it sounds like you think in terms of pure brains, Murray is the smartest uh, there. Yeah. I don't know who I think is the smartest. I, I think she is the one who is, has the most organizational power within Critical Role. Oh, okay. Um, who is? The I think she's quite smart, but yeah. I mean, Matt Mercer created an entire sure. continent, like a whole world. So yeah, I wasn't including Matt Mercer. I was just to talk about the cast. But um, okay, I'll be more specific. Who is the best strategic player of the game, even if it comes at the cost uh, of? That's a good question. Yeah, uh, and that Marisha Ray has played her character Bo very well. Now, f monks don't have the same degree of resource management that some other characters do. Fucking monks. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but she, she plays okay. her character very well. I, Sam Regal plays his uh, rogue character pretty well. Although again, all he needs his rogue to do is check and disarm traps and shoot a crossbow. And he's very good at shooting that crossbow. Sure. And occasionally he Dwarf. casts spells, um, including, there's a spell in D&D called Tasha's Hideous Laughter, which kind of incapacitates a, a, an opposing player uh, enemy for a while. Every time he does it, he tells a bad, somewhat fantasy-themed joke. Uh, <laughs> and it's really funny to watch the uh, audience, uh, to watch the other players react to it. Like, one of them is, why don't orcs eat court jesters? Because they taste funny. <laughs> <laughs> and he just does that over and over and over Brilliant. again. Yeah. And what was funny is when Deborah Ann Wall comes on, she also plays a rogue with that spell. And she does the same thing, but her joke delivery is really different than his. Mm -hmm. uh, in part because her character has a very different personality than his. Mm -hmm. And it's really interesting to see somebody else cast that spell. Mm -hmm. um, who is the best pure actor when it comes to particularly dramatic and or comedic scenes uh best pure actor like like they make you know they come the closest to make you thinking they're putting on a performance and not just playing a game i guess i would probably say either laura bailey or liam o'brien yeah uh, both of those characters Liam O'Brien does tons of voice work too, by the way. Go ahead. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, and he's been doing it for a really long time. Yeah. That was going to be my guess between those two. Yeah. Caleb is a really dark character. Liam O'Brien has said he likes dark characters, he mm -hmm. likes sad characters. So mm -hmm. there is just a lot of stuff going on with Caleb, and he wears, he keeps a lot of it hidden, but he also wears a lot of it on his sleeve. And that's hard to do when you're just sort of sitting in a chair. Uh, Laura Bailey's character Jester is very over the top, but there's a lot of depth underneath that as well. And when she gives, and when she gives her character kind of moments to to let the the happy go luckiness fall away, it's really interesting. So I would say those two are the best pure actors. Who is uh, the, who's the the most expendable character if there is one? 
Doesn't well, mean they're bad, just expendable. Well, Ashley Johnson is only there about one every four episodes. Yeah, and Yasha is only there. Yeah. Even when she's gone, a lot of times Yasha doesn't do anything. Mm-hmm. So, her. Mm-hmm. Not because they could, should kill her or anything, but because mm-hmm. she just... She has been expended, and it hasn't really hurt the show. Like, uh-huh. So, okay, one more. There's two different parts, but this might be the same person. Okay. Who was the best guest, extended guest, and Ooh. who... If it's not the same person as the best guest, who do you think over time would be the best addition of people who have guested on the show, if that makes sense? You like, mean who would make for the best conversion like, to a full-time player? I guess for best guest, they have to have at least been on two or three episodes. Best right. potential is maybe someone who just came on once or briefly, but you're like, huh, they could really hang out with this crew and be a permanent part of it or something. Um, if it's someone I even know. Sure. I, I mean... Just purely in terms of of what they bring to the table, I think Ashley Birch's character would make the best addition because the team doesn't have a fighter. Um, I mean, You're I guess just getting on my good side today, aren't you, man? <laughs> Maddie I mean, G, I, love you, buddy. I mean, I I guess Yasha's no Yasha's character is a barbarian, which is a different class. They don't have a true fighter on the team, so yeah, they could use a fighter, but you don't need Deborah Ann Walls rogue when you have sam regals you don't need somali montano's druid when you have talus and jaffe's second character caduceus who is also a druid um i and you don't even need another cleric which is what kari payton's character jacosta is because you have uh well you have two clerics i'm sorry uh, caduceus is a cleric not a druid i they're very similar characters mm-hmm. um so in terms of my favorite guest probably Kari Payton's Shikasta. This oh, this nice. really cool... One, because Kari Payton is just so fucking cool. He's King Ezekiel from Walking Dead, for people who don't know who that is. Uh, so I, I just like him as an actor, and he seems like a pretty cool dude, so I hmm. want to see as much of him as I can. Uh, in terms of who would make the best addition, the only one who's played anybody who would really help them, I think, is... Either Ashley Birch yeah. as a fighter named Keg or Mark Holmes as a sorcerer named Kaliana. But Mark Holmes was only on one episode, and I really didn't get a sense of what Kaliana could do besides breathe fire. Mm-hmm. So, and Liam's character is a wizard who likes fire spells. So mm-hmm. I, I kind of think uh, Shakasta would be the, um, or I'm sorry, Shakasta is my favorite, and I think the fighter Keg would be the best addition who would actually bring things that a party doesn't already have yeah um i think ashley birch would bring exactly the amount of seriousness that the other rest of them bring uh, well she's, she's pretty funny i mean she, well i was gonna she say she, she could be very thing. funny and quirky oh, let me finish she can be very funny and quirky but there also would be times when she would be taking it too seriously perhaps <laughs> you know like she starts real i mean i'm saying that's what you want you want someone who kind of and i think i bet they're already friends or friendly but i think just the the her and bailey and, and ray would just get along great i feel like they need a third i'm sure they're all already woman. very good friends with each other they i need mean, a third woman on 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 stage it's still too many men well when they have ashley johnson it Helps That's balance true. it out a little bit. I mean, a lot of the times it's two and four with Matt, you know, making the seventh. Yeah. When they have Ashley, it's three and four, and it's a little bit more balanced out. And it helps that um, Sam Regal's character is female. Mm-hmm. 
Was Essie just on the one shot episode, or, or as opposed to, or was it a, a series? Birch, yeah. She was in that one shot, and then she had four episodes, I think, on in, as part of Campaign Two. Okay, uh, four or five. I'll have to maybe check some of that out. I, I don't. I can't believe I, I didn't watch any minutes of it. When I heard it, it was self immolating or whatever. It made me so happy. I was like, yes, actually, <laughs> Birch's causing problems. Um, and, uh, yeah, dude, and, uh, just a, a creative group of personalities, if not r- racially. Um, the thing is, Geek and Sundry has s- people that work for them and, you know, they bring on who are more diverse. Uh, it'd be nice to see that on some of their shows. But to be honest, yeah, like you said, it seems like that's a thing. And then there's Geek and Sundry. I don't know what's going on at Geek and Sundry that's not critical roles. I'm not sure what that's saying. Yeah, they've, they've done it. I mean, yeah, it is a mostly it's an all yeah, it's an all white cast of the mains, but some of the people they've had on have been different obviously. You know, Somali Montano is um Filipino and Thai descent, and a lot of the you know, some of the the side stuff, Kari Payton is obviously African American and some of the spin-off critical role stuff that they've done has had Asian actors, black actors, you know, it, it's whoever is around um, actually, actually yeah, is asian american for the record what yeah actually birch is is fully asian american for the record I, she is being an idiot yeah her mom's t- like totally a thai thai woman she barely speaks english she's adorable she's on a, like a oh. brief couple episodes of hey ash what you playing um so okay man so i'm yeah, asking this from indian ethnicity okay. yeah um so um for me and our listeners, if we can't watch a live on Twitch or YouTube, where can, can we watch it, or is it gone after the initial release? Okay, so if you miss it on Thursday nights on YouTube, it goes up Monday after the following Monday afternoon. And if you can't catch it on Twitch, it's up within I think like eighteen hours. Uh, so if but you have to subscribe. They don't. They do rerun it sometimes, but. It's West Coast time, so a lot of times they're rerunning it at really weird hours if you live on the East Coast. Awesome. So if you have to watch it, I would suggest paying for the Twitch subscription. I use my free yep. Amazon Prime subscription to give it to them. It's worth uh, it. Don't pay for Alpha, guys. Give them the money on Twitch. Trust me, they appreciate it. Well, I think they make money off Alpha. I'm pretty sure Alpha is a subsidiary thing of Geek & Sundry. I don't think it's a separate channel. I think it's just another website that airs their content yep this is a part of the industry bizzle actually has no knowledge of and so i won't even try and say i have no <laughs> clue um thank you so much matt this was great um i sort of tricked you into taking most of the responsibility so went one for me uh topics were great and um i think i i, I don't know are there any major ones we missed just to leave the, the people with not to the that we'll discuss, but like big, it's maybe D I guess the state of DC in general. Um, we're always avoiding that topic. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything really to say about the state of DC. I mean, we didn't talk about video games all that much, which yeah, I think you wanted to talk about. a little I don't bit, really, but. I know I, I, I prefer the stuff we did. So thank you for that, man. It was great to have you on and it's been more than three years. So just thank you for that and everything, man. My pleasure.
Happy New Year, everyone. All right, guys, that's Maddie G, too young to be emeritus contributor to the Bizzlecast. Yeah, exactly. Thank you guys for a wonderful year. I know I dropped off my content precipitously about two months ago. Uh, I had some health issues, I had some work issues, and I just was getting burnt out and needed the break, but thrilled to be bringing you my commentaries and then special ones like this with Maddie G. Again, this is fa- favorite or most interesting nerdy things of 2018. Um, great having Matt on, and we'll be talking to you guys soon. Have a wonderful New Year's, and for now, the Bizzlecast is out.